So, there's this hotel in Providence. It has a 1920s exterior, crowned by a large red illuminated sign that beckons out over the skyline. With a see-through elevator that goes all the way to the top of the building and lets you look out over the city. The inside has been redone with these eclectic Wes Anderson-like interiors. And there's Art Deco paneling surrounding this luxurious balcony that overlooks the lobby. Which has dripping chandeliers. Lush red carpet. Intricate gilded molding on the ceiling. This hotel is not the Omni. The Omni is a sterile 1994 mega hotel connected by way of Skybridge to the Providence Place Mall. For those who don't know, that's the largest indoor carpeted mall in the country? In New England. Don't get us wrong. The Omni has its idiosyncrasies. I'm honestly not sure I have the vocabulary to describe the hodgepodge of truly gestures towards architectural features. I mean, it's pretty tall. There's a dome. And the glass sky bridge to the mall has an arch. But whoever built the mall wanted it to be accessible to people from out of town, so the Omni's also at the edge of a pretty loud highway. This semester, there are more than 200 Brown University students living in the Omni Hotel. The university wanted every student to have their own dorm because of the pandemic, so they leased a bunch of rooms in the Omni. The students living there pay the same $4,887 room fee they would on campus. TripAdvisor says an Omni room is 212 a night, so the brown housing fee is the equivalent of just over 23 nights at the Omni pre-pandemic. The students living at the Omni need to commute to campus. There's a shuttle that takes them back and forth from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. each day. Producer John Liu hopped on board to tell us about that trip. Week five at the Omni Hotel. It is 12 noon and the sun has been out for six hours, but the blackout curtains are drawn, so I don't know that. Instead, I wake to my sunrise alarm, which trips me out of a dream I haven't been able to remember for the last 11 months. I'm about to be late for class, so I microwave some oatmeal. Phone, check. Student ID, check. Hotel key, check. I get on the shuttle to campus and immediately regret not leaving 20 minutes earlier to account for its fickle schedule. I 
think about how nice it would be to run on my own time and then silently chant my silly little self-affirmations to prepare for a four-hour studio. Eventually, we turn onto Thayer Street, where every third store has four lease or now leasing displayed prominently. It is 1.35 now and I come to terms with the fact that I'm going to be late for class again. The sound of traffic seems to fade right as I step through the campus gate. The tower bell rings and I check the time. It is 1.48. I repeat this to myself. 1.48 on a Wednesday afternoon and I am here on campus, right now, where hints of green lie between melting patches of snow and I know that spring is on its way. This episode is about the lives of Brown students at the Omni Hotel this semester. Of course, they're not the only people that are part of the hotel's ecosystem. There are dozens and dozens of hotel staff whose perspectives this episode doesn't cover. That would be a different set of stories, and those stories deserve their own space. But we wanted to note that the staff and their stories make every single story in this episode possible. You're listening to Unearthed, from Now Hear This and WVRU. Coming up, producer Iris Cheng interviews two Brown students about what it's like inside their rooms at the Omni Hotel. The Omni is rated four stars and easily one of the nicest hotels in downtown Providence. It's also home to 219 students at Brown this semester, which is a big step up from the dorms. In fact, one of the rooms students could have been assigned to is the Signature Executive Room. According to their website, it's a luxurious and spacious oversized guest room, and it features its own separate bathtub and walk-in shower, sitting area, and king bed. Compared to the dorms, this is the entire package. The only catch, you may or may not get bed bugs and maybe have your ceiling collapse on you. Pick your poison. I'm pretty sure I had bed bugs in my Omni hotel room. That's Katie, a sophomore at the Omni hotel who turns out may have been living with a few uninvited guests. Yeah, so on my um, second day, I woke up and I found a bunch of bites all around my body and it was like, this is kind of strange. And so, you know, I was like, at first I was like, eh, it's no problem, I'll be fine, like I'll ignore it. And then I went to bed again the next day and there were more bites. I've never gotten bed bugs before, so they were just like bites. So like they looked like red and they got smaller and smaller. And so I Googled up bed bug bites and they looked like the same thing on Google. 
Google Images in hand and with the bites to prove it, Katie goes down to tell the staff about her situation. And they were like, okay. And so they came up to me. They were really nice. And they came up and they checked both my beds and they couldn't find anything. I mean, like, the first time was kind of sketchy because it was just, like, the hotel dude and, like, an iPhone flashlight looking at my mattress, and that was kind of sus. And so they said, okay, like, just, uh, we'll switch your sheets, like, keep us posted, but we can't find any bed bugs. I just, I was like, maybe it's the linens. Maybe I just have some, like, weird allergic reaction to, like, those, like, bed sheets or something. And so... I like slept in there for like another week and each day I got more and more bites, but I was really in denial. So I was like, uh, they were there already until finally I was like, no, I am like bitten all over. Like I straight up have bed bugs. So I went down again and they were like, oh, like they finally took me seriously. (laughs) They brought up another, they brought up like an actual pest control person this time and he couldn't find anything either. And I was like, oh my God. But I literally had like bites all over my arms. So they were like, yeah, we can move you. And so I moved, and so far I think I don't have any more bites, but we shall see. That is my adventure at the four-star Omni Hotel. Anyone else feeling a little itchy right now? Anyways, here's Hana, another sophomore staying at the Omni, and her take on what it's been like so far. Honestly, I really like the Omni just because it feels like I'm on like a 24-hour business trip. Like I definitely, like we'll say the the ceiling literally breaking down on me in my old room was definitely the worst like part about the Omni so far. Um, Nothing was wrong for the first week or so. And then one time I was on FaceTime and it was like 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning. And I heard like little pops, like it was like pop, 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 pop. And I was like, oh, like, is it raining? Like, what's going on? Like, I didn't think anything of it. And then I heard, like, a much, like, louder pop. And I was like, what, like, what is going on? So I looked around and I noticed, like, a a slight crack in my ceiling. And then I heard, like, a much larger pop, like, maybe two minutes later. And the crack, like, I swear was getting bigger. And I told my friend on FaceTime, I'm like, I think, like, the ceiling is, like, cracking open, but I'm not 100% sure. And he was like, no, you have to, like, go tell someone. But, like, we were, it was, like, during quiet period. And like they had said to call instead of like going down and like physically telling like an Omni staff. So I called, but no one picked up. So like I decided to go down and um, like tell them about the situation. Before she can reach the front desk though, Hannah stopped by a group of security guards. And the security was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, it's like pretty late at night. Like it was like such a slide. They're like, it's pretty late at night, but like we'll call an engineer. And I was like, yeah, like that'd be great. Like, so I'm so sorry for like the inconvenience, like all that. And so they, they had an engineer come up to my room. The engineer was so like tired of me. Like he was definitely just like, who is this like brown student like complaining? But he just like came into my room and he looked at the ceiling and he was like, you know what that's called? It's called water damage. Like it happens all the time. Like this crack has been here and like we've gotten a complaint about this before. So like you don't have to worry. And um, he, he kept saying like, oh, you should know this by now. Like you should know what water damage is. And I'm just like, I know what water damage is. But, like it wasn't there prior. So I was just so confused. And he was just like, oh, like this is no worry. Like, don't worry about it. Like you can just go to sleep. And so they had left. That was that for the next like couple days. Like I just like left it alone. But then it's pretty obvious that it's not just water damage. 
same situation like i was on facetime with the same friend like 1 or 2 a.m and this time i looked up and i noticed the ceiling was like slightly larger but since the since the engineer made it seem like i was like making such a big deal out of nothing i was like okay it's like doesn't matter like it's no problem so like, i went to bed and i woke up the next morning i was already like coughing and i was like okay what is this like i don't know if i'm sick or like what's going on but then i realized like the air was like really dusty and when i lifted like my blanket like stuff started like falling off my blanket and i looked over and it was like drywall like it was pieces of the wall of the ceiling like it was literal like drywall of the ceiling like just like plattering off of my blanket and I was like okay like I don't I don't even want to look up but I looked up and at that point like the water damage had been, been so bad it was a bubble of like water that was ready to like pop at any time it was big enough to the point where I thought there was like an animal like I thought, I thought the bump was like an animal print and it was like visibly wet like it was also soft to the touch because I was like is it an animal and I like poked it and it was like literally soft to the touch like it was ready to come down at any point um so I guess the drywall that had a fallen was from like where the bubble was and the, and the crack was so wide like it was probably like six inches wide so I took a picture like went back downstairs and I told the staff and they told me to wait and they were like oh like we'll send an engineer later tonight and so I waited on all, all day and then later that night a different engineer came and he was just like oh yeah like you should have told us a long time ago about this like this is like a serious issue and you need to like evacuate and I was just like, bro, but I went to you guys like two days ago. But I guess like, I don't know, I guess like it was a different engineer. Like this one was much more like nice about the situation. And he was like, oh, like you can just evacuate, move all your stuff out to like a different room. And since it was quiet period, I wasn't allowed to have moving assistance because like nobody was supposed to come into contact with you. And they didn't have door stops. So I had to unlock and like, like lock the doors like every single time. It was like such a hassle. But that was the next morning. Like I, it probably took me like four hours just to like move all my stuff. And now I live on the same floor, but like across the hall. And I know they're doing like construction on the room. Like I can totally hear like them trying to work on the ceiling situation now. Yeah. So after going through everything that they did, here's Hannah's and Katie's verdict on how the Omni actually compares to the dorms. Um, if I could stay on campus without bed bugs, I would take that immediately. Um, but also, like, I do have to say, like, living in an Omni hotel room is much better than, like, a sad, cramped single. <laughs> okay, if you asked me this, like, when it was happening, I would, like, definitely say on campus because I was so, like, irritated. And I, and I felt like, like you said, like, they weren't really, like, taking it seriously. So I would have definitely said on campus. But now that it's been, like, a few weeks, um... I'm loving the private restrooms and like the fact that we can control the heat. So I think those two reasons are why I would stay at the Omni now. Um, but yeah, like a different answer if you asked me a little bit ago. So maybe the Omni doesn't live up to its four star rating, but it's okay. It's still better than the dorms, bed bugs and clap ceilings and all. So to Moose, I found this poll of the top 10 most memorable hotel movie scenes ever. Whoa. When was that made? 2006. <laughs> You're that's a pretty deep dive into the archives, Claire. Oh, yeah. Do you want to hear some of them? Sure. Hit me. Okay. We only have time for the top three, and we'll count down from memorable to the most memorable ever. So number three is Thelma and Louise 
Brad Pitt and Gina Davis's love scene before he steals her cash. Number two is Indecent Proposal. Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore have sex on one million dollars. And number one is Pretty Woman, Julia Roberts, and Richard Gere in a bubble bath. Wow, those are all sex scenes. What I'm getting from this is that a hotel is a pretty good place for a tryst. Tryst is one way of putting it, I guess. So this next story from producer Emma Eaton, it's nearly that. It's almost that. It's kind of that. If you've ever been in love with someone who doesn't know it, you might recognize the kind of feeling my friend is about to describe. She'll just like randomly grab my arm or touch my arm. I was thinking about it when I was up at three in the morning today. Like, how am I so haunted by something that she didn't think about doing? Now imagine that they're one of the only two people you're allowed to interact with in the world. In person, that is. We're like the only people that we see. We have incredible chemistry. We're constantly on the same page. And I am frequently going into her hotel room late at night. It's like, what the fuck? How did I get here? (laughs) My friend, let's call him Ryan, lives with two girls on the 11th floor of the Omni Hotel. This girl, we'll call her Jules. Jules and Ryan met in organic chemistry freshman spring. There were 300 students in the class, but Jules and Ryan ended up in the same small section. One of whom I literally had never met, and the other of whom I had a crush on. Ryan liked Jules right away. A lot. I I need to be her partner. (laughs) I need to be hers and not anyone else's. (laughs) (laughs) But he didn't want things to get awkward in the lab or to move too fast. He decided Jules was his long game. But it didn't quite work out that way. Ryan and Jules were both sent home when COVID-19 shut down campus in March. 2,800 miles apart, they kept talking. At first, they just worked on orgo problem sets. But then classes ended. They kept FaceTiming for an hour every day, sometimes more. Over the summer and into a remote fall, Ryan felt like they were building the foundation for something serious. Fast forward to November. Most of Ryan's friends were still on leave, so he wasn't planning to come back to Brown in the spring until Jules proposed an idea. She was like, I'm gonna go do it. I'm going with my friend. If you wanna like be in a pod with me, we can do that. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to stay in the Omni. This was it, his second chance. Ryan moved back to Brown in January. But Ryan and Jules weren't living on campus, exactly. They were some of the more than 200 students Brown had arranged to house in the Omni Hotel. Ryan learned he'd be spending the four-month spring semester in room 113, across the hall from Jules. And so I got here and instantly basically realized that A, I was like really into her, B, She is way out of my league. (laughs) 
And C, <laughs> I am her closest guy friend. I don't know when that happened. With little access to the world beyond their hallway, Ryan was falling. Hard. And worse, he couldn't get a read on whether Jules felt the same way. Their constant proximity felt utterly confusing. When you're, you know, having dinner with someone on the floor of a, of a hotel room, which is your dorm, because you're a sophomore in college who's living on the 11th floor of the Omni, like, it kind of all comes out. <laughs> By this, he doesn't mean he actually told her. But the feelings were starting to get difficult to keep a lid on. God, she makes it really easy to fall in love with her. <laughs> she has so many little quirks that are, like, just so obviously endearing. Hmm. Like what? It's like mm -hmm. every time she gets on the escalator, she has to wait and pause at the foot of the escalator for, like, three steps to really get in rhythm. <laughs> so that when she steps down... She's sure that she's going to be safe. And there are a million of those. Ryan called me a lot during these weeks. And every time, he had a new theory about Jules. She'd never see him as more than a friend. Or she was into him, but didn't want anything serious right now. Or she only liked guys who spoke more than three languages. But one night felt different. Ryan was convinced Jules was flirting with him on purpose. They were sitting on the floor together. She was putting her legs on him. And I was like, oh my God, I'm sure she is into me. What was I thinking before? Ryan decided he was finally going to ask Abby. Abby's their third pod mate and Jules' best friend. Ryan doesn't know Abby super well, except through Jules, but he was certain that if Jules liked him, Abby would know. This was a huge risk for all parties involved. The chance of at least one relationship within the three-person pod turning awkward was high. Nonetheless, Ryan asked Abby to go for a walk. He didn't say why. Then he asked the question he'd been sitting on for months. He told me his exact words were, Is Jules into me? And I said it, and I just saw this like flash of panic just like explode in her like eyes like oh my god <laughs> because she was not ready for it she had no idea that it was coming maybe she didn't it was her worst nightmare like i don't know and she was like no i remember our phone call that night ryan didn't seem angry or hurt he seemed resigned so telling her is out of the question now. I mean, like, I thought about this over and over again. Somehow I get into it and I say, look, all this time that we've been together, I've actually had really intense feelings for you. And I think I'm, I'm actually falling in love with you and I don't know what, what to do about it. And it's driving me insane and I had to tell you. This is where that goes. <laughs> Off chance. Oh my God, same thing. And kisses me. A. B. Long pause. Oh my God, I had no idea. As I listened to Ryan tell all of this, it struck me that he might want the idea of a romantic relationship with Jules more than he wants the actual thing. And I wouldn't blame him. Sure, Ryan is scared to ruin his relationship with Jules. Plus, he's now convinced that she doesn't feel the same way. 
but it's not just his fragile social ecosystem within the Omni Hotel at stake. If he confessed his feelings to Jules, no matter what happened, whether she said yes or no or I don't know, the situation would become real. And even if that reality was good, he'd be losing something. He'd be losing the sense of possibility, the whole wonderful what if of it all. And that's scary. As long as Ryan doesn't tell Jules, he gets to keep what could be. Because my feelings are so strong, I can't trust anything that I see here, feel like it's all just like biased, like useless, you know, like <laughs> I'm not seeing the full picture. All of it feels really good. Like all of it. Except I just know that it's not. And I couldn't ask Jules her side of the story. After all, this is still a secret. Wait, Claire, didn't you also say you have an Omnitrist story? Tammuz, I told you that was supposed to be a secret. Oh, sorry. Claire, didn't you say you also have an Omnitrist story? Yeah, kind of. When I think about the Omni, I think about Katie. It was October of our sophomore year, the night cold hardening around us, the tip of my then-girlfriend Katie's nose turning pink. We hadn't made any plans for that night. We were just wandering, past the canal and downtown, holding hands, swinging our arms back and forth. We dashed across the street at the tail end of a stoplight, giddy with the small danger of making it just in time. I looked up and there she was, looming large and blue over us. The Omni. Let's go inside. We strode arm in arm across the lobby, chins tipped up in our best imitation of four-star pomp. I pulled my jacket tight around me so that none of the other guests could see my goofy polka-dotted t-shirt. Usually you need a key card to get into the elevator, but we managed to slip in just behind a suit. Lobby. I rubbed my thumb over and over my girlfriend's hand. Mr. Business got out on floor five. I spun towards Katie and kissed her up against the wall of mirrors. <laughs> when I pulled away, I could see her eyes shining and my own flushed face in the glass beside them. We got off just outside the fitness center, the pool a teal gem nestled in tile. Unused ellipticals stood like ghostly herons, one leg raised in anticipation of spearing a fish. I heard footsteps. Katie! Someone coming around the corner. I tugged Katie back towards the elevator and jabbed the first button I could reach. Katie giggled at my skittishness. Fake candles glimmered in sconces along the ballroom's walls. I dipped my head and extended my hand. We waltzed across the room to the window and pressed our faces and open hands against the cold glass. The city was a ribbon of light unspooled below us. 
I spun Katie back into my chest, her arms crisscrossed over her torso, one of her hands in each of mine. I pressed my nose into her neck and lifted my eyes to look outside. That night, it felt special to sneak away from the parties on campus and their crush of bodies in search of something secret and sweet. Now COVID means that almost every social interaction I have is just me and one other person. There's no pleasure in leaving the crowd because there's no crowd to leave. I miss the noise and joy of being surrounded by people. I miss jokes getting tangled up in each other as we rush to speak. But that night I didn't. That night, it was enough to watch the lights spin over Katie's shoulder, the city dancing just for us. So that's our show. This episode of Unearthed was produced by John Liu, Iris Cheng, Emma Eaton, and Claire Boyle, with help from Livy Burdett and Malcolm Mendoza. Our executive producers are Tamuz Frankel, Claire Boyle, and Jax Contrell.